this is that other sports show. Let's go. Everybody around the United States, summer has hit in some form. It is, I am sweating like a dog. I have all windows shut. I have all fans on. I'm not ready for the air conditioner quite yet, but it is fucking hot. And your guy, Jesse, doesn't do hot very well. (laughs) But I can't complain because your boy, Jason, lives in basically hell-type year-round. So without further ado, you've heard me. Let's hear from Mr. Jason Valdez. Jesse, it's been a while since we've done this one. Uh, currently 90 degrees with a high of 95. Tomorrow, 97. Thursday, 95. And then the weekend will go 93, 92, 93. So we are officially back. My AC is fucking on. I'll tell you that right now. PG&E, uh, they love me right now because not only am I running my AC and my fan, but I am running my dryer. So I, they are just fucking <laughs> milking me right now. I, I ain't got solar. I'm about to hand over my cash like you wouldn't believe. So, yeah, it's fucking hot, Jess. Yeah, no, here in Oregon, we just got past, like, I believe the last three to four days have all been above 90 degrees. And, and honestly, uh, that's not... That's not weird temperatures, but, you know, maybe in August, you know what I mean? It's not weird. For now, it's it's a little weird. It doesn't get this hot here that quick, and it just kind of splurged all over us and said, hey, here's spring t- or here's fall time type weather. You know, we're getting 50, 60 degree weather, some rain and stuff, and all of a sudden it just goes, bam, it's hot. Here you go. Take it. And so, uh, yeah, I, I am officially sunburned, though. Went down to the coast. Uh, the Oregon coast is not like the California coast. Jay knows this because he lives there, and he knows that the California coast is beautiful. It's warm. The girls are all over the place. The swollen I'll be there in two weeks, are all out of the place. I will be there in two weeks. My coast is wet and gray and cold. You got to wear a hoodie basically year-round to go to my coast. My coastline is just like that. Not this past week. We're talking 85, 90 degrees in my oh, coast. It was no. beautiful. It was hot. It was gorgeous. Everybody was out in their bikinis and bathing yeah. suits. Everybody was showing off their stuff. It tank was, top um, day for Jess. Tank, tank top, top day for me. No tank top. You're just shirtless. Just tank top. Tank top, man. I, I don't want, you know, but you know what? I will say this. This quick little side story as I was at the beach. I was walking to the little store to go pick up some stuff that we forgot on the way. I'm walking up to this little store. It's just right up the block. And uh, this car full of, like, really young boys, they, they pull up in their car. And one of them le- looks out the window and goes, hey, man, how much can you bench? What's the most you've ever benched? I, I said, I love that. I said, 405. He's like, what? I love and then that. as they're driving away, the little driver goes, ah, you're catching up to me. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> he zings your ass on the way out. <laughs> right on fucking the way out zing, the door. The fucking 90-pound geek zings you with that and then fucking hits accelerate. <laughs> High fives his boys. You made his day. So good, good job That's on right. that. That's so, right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, um, we've got an array of takes. We've got yes, some we combat do. sports that we're going to touch. 
but I do want to start here. We started here last week. You've made some waves. I want to check in from the Twitter world because people care about you. You got a lot of people. They got a lot of love for you. They're checking in. They want you to know that they're happy for you and that you're, they're glad you're doing better on the other side as we continue to plug ourselves in and doom scroll. So give us an update, Jess. As of today, I don't believe you have visited social media, Twitter. I don't think you're on Instagram yet. I don't believe you took my Reddit advice. Where are you as of now? Uh, Reddit, it, I, I, uh, I tried Reddit. It is crazy. Okay. There is so much information. It's a lot. Like, so much information. It's a lot. You were right. When you said last week, you were talking about how Reddit is Twitter, but without, you know, some of the propaganda and stuff. It's the amount of information. I was looking at some of the stuff. I was like, I cannot believe there's this much stuff on the internet. You can keep reading. If you just, it's crazy. If you just type in Buffalo Bills, you'll be stuck oh there. Where, you'll be stuck there all day with just the last three hours worth of information. Yeah. So uh, Reddit is definitely something I'm, I'm pe- it's piquing my interest. Uh, outside of all that, I do not have Instagram. I do not have Facebook. And currently, I am not a Twitter guy on paper. So, but Ooh. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Uh, I like to think that my mind has cleared up a lot. It's helped me in the gym. My my gym days have Ooh. been it actually far more superior this to interacting. What happens is, you know, it happens to the best of us. I know that we like to make fun of the little gym flies. They, they bring out their phones and they start taking pictures and they start posting stuff. But it happens to us guys too. You know, we pull out the old Twitter account and like checking, scrolling while we're waiting in between sets. And now what I'm doing is I probably look like a madman that I get up and pace. I get up and pace mm. back and forth. I'm a pacer now in the gym. I get I up, like I pace it. in between sets. So- so are you Super not intense. are you listening to music or are you not listening to music? Oh no, I got I got music. I got music. Yeah. So you're just uh, kind of jamming, if you will. Just okay. jamming out. Just you feeling know what's the energy. so interesting, Jess? I'm I never, and I mean it's fucking rare. And I said this last week, so I went back and listened to this part of the show. And I uh I mean it. I don't fucking read social media at all. In the morning, unless someone asks me, mentions me, I'll I'll peep my mentions before I might leave to the gym and just respond to that. But outside of that, I'm not I'm not hitting the home button. I'm not hitting the refresh button. I'm not looking at anything. And in between sets, dude, I'm usually just chilling. I'm, I'm I don't do I don't do a pace thing. As much as I just kind of try and catch my breath, switch my song, because I'm a big switch the songs in between sets, the in between your reps guy. I'm a big, I'm a big, it's very rare that I listen to the same song uh, back to back reps. Like I'll get my 12, 15 reps in, I'll get my shit in, and then I'm, I'm, I'm kicking back for 30, 45 seconds a minute, and I'm switching songs when I'm doing that. So I, 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 but I don't, really read social media until I get in the sauna. So I've had a full hour workout, if not maybe a few minutes more, and then I'm getting in the sauna, and then I'm usually either reposting our show off of the Apple app. Shout out to the Apple listeners. Yes, yes. Shout out to all listeners, of course. We haven't got to get there yet. But uh, And then I'll start doing my, okay, what am I, what am I playing catch-up on? 
now, I will say this. While I'm in the gym, my gym is, I'm very fortunate, my gym has TVs fucking everywhere. So it pretty much doesn't matter which way your head is facing. You can look at an ESPN. You can look at some type of sports network. So if there's breaking news in the morning, you know, fucking, I don't know, someone's traded or someone, whatever. I might jump on Twitter, like if there's a Woj bomb or something like that. Then I'm like, oh, I got to jump on here and get a little sniff of this. But, dude, I think I do a pretty good job of avoiding it. Now, the rest of the day, that's another story. When I'm just sitting here bored and just fucking let me kick, let me kick out some half-baked ideas, that's another story. But oh, for I, sure. I get, Definitely. But, but again, shout out to you. The boys are still supporting you. The gals are still supporting you. Everyone's got a lot of love for you. So as of right now, it sounds like there's no rush to go back on paper. There's no there's no guarantee you'll never come back. But you're just... No, you're Buffalo just Bill season is too close. The, the off-season stuff is too close. So you have an yeah, end I, game. You just I, don't I, know yeah. where Yeah, my end game is definitely off-season. Uh, you know, when uh, you start getting in some of those... Uh, those veteran reps and the practices. And do you think you can do another two weeks? Yeah, I, I got two weeks in me. Easily. I got two, oh, so yeah. it sounds yeah. to me like you're much like me. You're a, you're a um, a creature of habit, and once you do something for two weeks, you can pretty much stick to it. And because you've been off of Twitter for two weeks, and now you've kind of started kicking around Reddit, and that's piquing your interest. It sounds to me like you're you're kind of good staying away from Twitter as of now. As of now, that which change. by which by the way, for all the people listening, that is also a good thing to do in general. The whole two weeks, if you can do something for two weeks, I mean, Jay and anything. I, any, it, Jay and I are obviously we're big gym guys, we're big sports guys, you know. So that kind of stuff has just been like a lifelong thing, you know. But anything that you want to do and create a habit, it takes about two weeks. So I suggest finding something that you want to create a positive, healthy habit out of. Try it for two weeks. After two weeks, yeah. you start to not even realize that you're doing it. It's amazing what the mind can do. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Let's get healthy for the summertime. Let's get our minds and our bodies straight. Most of us are creatures of habit, Jess. So most of us, after that second week, you're going to stick to it. Even if now, if you just fucking hate it, if you cannot stand it, the two weeks is just going to be the two weeks, and then it is what it is, right? That's true. Good it point. Is it is. This was this was me and keto this year. Well, last year it was like I could do keto. I did keto for like over forty five days, relatively easily. This year was like, now after after the thirty days, like day thirty, I was like, no, nah, I'll take that fucking piece of cheesecake right now. Let's not fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you know what I mean. Everything's different. Everything. Like, Arms for life, me. brother. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Listen, and again, fucking, who can say no to a good piece of quality cheesecake? It's very good difficult. Lord. Very difficult. Okay. Uh, real so quick, we've, we've before, got... before we move on, I want to shout out uh, Variety Sports Network, who uh, yes. is, is uh, a big supporter of the show. They have us <laughs> on their network currently. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter uh, at Variety underscore, or underscore Variety underscore Sports. Yes, I might need you to text me the, the, the team toss. Twitter info. Ooh, I, yeah, that's a good idea. I, I should because do I will do that. I know it's getting blown up, and I know Variety has been showing us a lot of love on the retweets. 
Good, good. So we got to make sure that we're giving love back to the people who show us love. Yes, so and sure. and uh, you said what was the other uh, what was the uh, other sports uh, podcast from there? Fat was it sports? Fat Boy Fadeaway? Sports? Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports. Yes. Uh, you know they so showed Jay, us a lot of love too. They actually listened to the show. Told Jay's been listening to them. That he says that they're they're classy dudes. They they you know their their show's real good. So go take a li- listen to them too. Um, and then, of course, anybody that listens, thank you for listening. This week is going to be a compounded week. We have a couple things from last weekend's UFC fight card that we want to go over. We have, of course, this weekend's upcoming fight card that we'll go over, at least main event stuff. The sexy fights, you know what I mean? We'll throw that stuff out there. We've got NBA talk, and I mean a lot, like not just the playoffs, not not yeah. just who's got eliminated, who's still moving on, but there's been coach firings after coach firing, surprising coach firings by the way this was the unique and, one and we have weird ass names being you know included in these teams with empty coaching staff i don't know what the nba is doing i'm used to the nfl where you have the same head coach basically if you're a decent enough team you have the same head coach for like 20 years right the nba is not like that folks you have two three good years you have one year where you just don't quite get there they boot your ass to the curb but we'll talk about all that stuff. Uh, and then, of course, we have a huge boxing match coming up this weekend. Uh, Lomachenko versus Haney. And Jay's just salivating over this fight. So we're going to get to that as well. I think we'll so, start there, Jess. You want to start there? Let's yeah, start, we can definitely let's start, start there. Let's start there, sure. and then we'll hit. Oh, you know what? No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here's where I really want to start, because I have a hot take. So we can start here with the hot take button. So Naganu has just signed with PFL. Ooh, I know, yeah. Jess, have you visited Reddit? Have you read this on Reddit, on Reddit PFL? I have not Reddit seen MMA. it. The first Reddit's just R MMA, R slash MMA. So what's this contract like? Because obviously they have the tournament where you can win a million bucks, but he's not signing up to win a tournament for a million dollars. So what is his bag like? Do we know? So here, here is what Naganu got. And I'm trying to figure out the easiest way to cheat and look at this without losing you. But he was able to get the combo bag, Jess, if you will, right? Where he was able to get paid to fight the exclusive window to be able to box as well. Okay, now I've got it coming up here. Here it is. All right. Uh, strategic partnership wow. still gives Naganu equity and leadership roles in the MMA company while also letting him pursue outside boxing fights. He's Naganu also said, going to be the chairman of PFL Africa. Yes, and he's also getting a piece of the gate, Jesse. So Jeez. if they have a $3 million gate, and let's say he gets 20% of that, he's making just as much off of his gate money as most UFC fight main event fighters are getting. And you can just take any main eventer. He's getting just as much on the gate as they are getting. So he absolutely got a fucking large bag, Jess. Uh, high seven figures per fight, pay-per-view percentage, plus part of the ga- a gate. And then also guaranteed money for his opponents. Uh, a few things here, Jess, and here's my hot take. Are you ready? Let's hear it. I want to get your answer on this. All right, let's if go. The, if the PFL did a main event of Naganu versus whoever, a co-main event of Paul versus whoever, and let's say you stick their other marquee fighter on there, Kayla Harrison, does that show 
sell as many pay-per-views, less pay-per-views, or neck and neck with Connor versus Chandler? No, not it does it doesn't even it doesn't score close. Really? Yeah. You think Chandler versus uh you think Chandler versus uh anything Connor Conor McGregor Connor McGregor oh. could fight me. He could fight me and sell out an arena and I just named two sell. of the biggest combat I just named three of the five biggest combat sports fighters in the world you can argue. And you don't think that two of them on the same card does just as many numbers as one of them? No, and here's why. Because Connor, because Connor, Francis Naganu is he was the he was the best heavyweight on the planet inside a UFC octagon. Okay, and and I get it. People are gonna say, well, whatever cage he steps into, he's still gonna be the the biggest baddest heavyweight on the planet, and that could be right. But just last week, I believe it was on this very show, we talked about promotions. The UFC didn't promote Naganu. His pay-per-view sales were not great. You can go back and look on his last five. I've heard, you know, I've heard these arguments. I've heard these arguments. You, you, you can go look on his last five, uh, you know, whether they were title defenses or title, you know, going for titles. And his pay-per-view, he doesn't draw. I don't know if it was just the UFC didn't know how to make him a draw. I didn't to promote him properly. I know that they tried really hard with the international look, but they didn't really go hard on the national look. And so people didn't care as much about Francis Ngannou as they would about maybe even Stipe Miocic. I think Miocic probably wow. had bigger draws. But here's the thing. He did go and get the bag. He's got all this equity now in this company. Jake Paul and him are now basically running the show. They're going to put on events, boxing <laughs> events, tournaments, which people love. But the sad reality is, is the PFL is never going to reach the heights financially, organizationally as the UFC. I and think so this is such Francis a compelling is- argument. I think that I'm going to interrupt you. I think this is such a compelling argument. And here's why. Because I completely disagree. And I, I'm not looking at this as some, you know, AEW versus WWE rivalry now. Uh, you know, the UFC is in the mud, and, and I don't see it like that as much as I see it. This is an enormous potential milestone moment for the PFL, where you now have an enormous name in heavyweight combat sports and I'm still of the belief of when you have an enormous name in com- heavyweight in combat sports, that still holds some weight. Now, does it transfer to whatever the number is with pay-per-view vibes, right? 50,000 or 70,000 or 100,000, whatever the large numbers are. I can't think of the top of my head. That's where I think it gets interesting because I disagree, Jess. I think if one, if marketed correctly, which I think the PFL will do, and if you put Nagano in there with Versus a beatable, who? with a beautiful B side, a beatable B side with who I don't know, they have guys, and they, you put but... Paul in there, you put Paul in there as a co-main. I think this pay-per-view, again, as you mentioned, and as we talked about last week, promoted properly. When you see these guys on first take, and you see them getting that. ESPN plus marketing machine that we know is there. 
that we know how can can do some damage. I think it would do neck and neck numbers with a Connor pay per view. I truly believe yeah. that because you and, and listen, Jess. I know. Listen, I'm glad that we can. Agree I'm, to, I'm, your, agree I'm your. I'm your. I'm Shannon Sharp right now. I'm glad we can. Dis- uh-huh. I'm glad we can agree to disagree on this because I. You're the first person I've ran this take by. So I'm interested in seeing what other people think about this take when they listen to I it. Am and I am too. Other, I hope other people run to, to Twitter and tell me I'm an idiot. Because I, I and I and maybe I am wrong, but I think this to me is a milestone moment for PFL. Again, I'm gonna repeat myself. I don't see this as the moment where now all of a sudden it's the UFC is in the mud and the PFL is gonna gain this enormous traction, and now all of a sudden every PFL pay-per-view does better than UFC pay-per-views. That'll never, never happen. But I do see this now as more of a considerable second tier league, but not like a XFL or not like I don't see them like as a feeder system like we've looked at them or Bellator the last X amount of years. I see them now as, okay, this is how they make their mark. Now, does it work? Again, time will tell, right? But I think this is an enormous fucking deal. I think that it's a huge deal, but only for the PFL. And that's fine because they, I don't think in any way, shape, or form that whoever runs that show from behind the scenes is thinking, hey, we, we need to compete with you. Try to do something with our brand. I think PFL's been doing just fine doing the tournaments, you know, I mean, let's face it, everybody loves tournaments. And you go back to the Bushido tournaments and all that stuff in, in Pride, and and everybody loves tournament-style fights. And that's what they basically built their entire, you know, organization off of. And it's awesome. And they've, you know, they've managed to get some big names in here and there. They've managed to get some up-and-comers in here and there. They do really well for themselves. I think that if they put on a pay-per-view led by Francis Naganu and whoever, it could be Ben Rothwell. It could be any matter of fact, Ben Rothwell, I was just looking out on Twitter, by the way, but it was just on the ESPN app. Uh, ben Rothwell was the first heavyweight to say, hey, let's go, big boy. So, I mean, that okay. could be a fight. That could be a thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's a very viable name in the sport of MMA. Ben Rothwell just got a big win in bare knuckle uh, in bare knuckle fighting. Hell yeah. So, I mean, you know, here's a guy who's been I love that. for a couple decades, and he can he can bang and slang with the best of them. So, put him in there with, uh, you know, Francis Ngannou. That's a great just- first you you and I are on the same page, and now maybe I'm turning you a little bit. I think that's the marketable B-side guy. And if everyone that fights Naganu is guaranteed a million-dollar purse, Ooh. then yeah, I'd, I would yeah. be Ben Rothwell. I'd be fucking hopping up there, too, waving my arms on Twitter and social media and saying, yeah, give me that fight. I think I, could, I, I, think I can knock Naganu out. I'm doing that same you know what a good, a good thing that PFL does, too, is they keep their roster fairly limited. And I think that that's, that's going to come in handy for upcoming pay-per-views, having a, a fairly limited roster. Because when you have those guys and gals step up to fight the Kayla Harrisons and the, the Francis Naganus of the world, you can sit there and you can go ahead and guarantee a million-dollar purse. You'll be like, hey, man, you take this fight, give you a million bucks, win or lose, don't matter. You win, you get a knockout, you get something extra. If you lose, you still get a million bucks because the roster is limited. So they don't have to focus all their money on these big, huge superstars and try to get them all paid off. So that Here's, could, that could work out for them. 
Here's what they should do, Jess. And now we're both fun kind of slapping this together. A little create a little creative show. Fucking WWE SmackDown versus Raw style. Uh, so the first two fights are the five fight card. You do your semifinals of the tournament, right? Or maybe you do a quarterfinals of the tournament where the first two fights, the ones you think, you know, or maybe you do an exciting fight and a fight that may not look so exciting on paper on the prelims for free. And then the other two quarterfinals, you do uh, you do it fucking on, on to start the pay-per-view. You had two fights to start your pay-per-view. You do Kayla Harrison right there in the middle as the third fight. You do Paul as the fourth fight. You got Nagano as your main event. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a stack card where you are promoting the future of PFL as well because you've got your semi, your quarterfinals there, and you're hoping within those quarterfinals you draw some attention to these guys where people will go, oh, I want to tune back into PFL because I want to see this guy that I saw on the Naganu card, right? That, that's kind of always how undercards have worked, if you will, prelims, if you will. So I, I think that they've got a little bit of leverage here, Jess. I think they can put some stuff together. I like where your head's at. I like, I, I think, I think the future is very bright for the PFL. As of this second, Jess, would you still consider Bellator the second I guess you'd say second tier league when it comes to combat sports or do you think yeah. it's PFL or do you think it's something else? No, no, def- definitely. Bell- 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 Bell are in their spot. And, and again, yeah. Bellator, I think the smartest thing Scott Coker did was kind of move away from the with UFC and just say, you know what, let them do them. We're going to do us. And then because yeah, ever, ever, ever since they've, Taken that identity upon themselves to just be Bellator MMA, they've done exceptionally well for themselves. They've gained uh, a lot of like decent to big name fighters, whether they're aged or not. They've even be able, they've been able to even like home grow a few guys like Mr. Aaron Pico. So uh, I mean, it, Bellator's the dominant number two, you know, fight, you know, organization in the game right now. But getting Francis Ngannou does put you on the map doesn't have a heavyweight that can contend with Francis and hell the UFC doesn't have a heavyweight either unless you really want to consider John Jones in which case you know that fight obviously isn't going to happen and if you do go on Twitter again I saw this on the ESPN app not Twitter but if you go on Twitter you look up John Jones Twitter page he definitely does a little shout out to Francis saying hey you're calling yourself the baddest guy <laughs> on the planet but from across a, another room so I I one day, one day, the hope is that John Jones and Francis Naganu can get together and scrap. I'm trying to pull up the tweet because I'm seeing it right now. Uh, calling yourself the baddest man on the planet from across the street who does that, LOL. Followed by, followed by, my man wins one Super Bowl, transferred to a top arena football league, and then claims to be better than Brady. That's what I'm hearing <laughs> right now. Followed by, um, he quote tweets somebody. He's sure doing a lot of talking now that the two of you can't fight. With his quote tweet, you notice that? Wasn't calling himself the baddest when he was still a free agent. He signed safely behind a new organization, and now suddenly he's the baddest thing walking. Like, we haven't seen him quitting inside that cage before. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so let me go ahead and just walk away from that. And so, yeah, there is uh, – yeah, of course. This is what fucking Bones is going to do. There. Listen, Bones, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and go back to what we've been saying. Fight Pavlovich. Otherwise, let's keep it moving, pal. We know you're going to fight Stipe. We know you're going to win that fight. We know you're probably going to retire. Let's fight keep gonna, it moving. 
He's going to win that fight in under a minute. Come on, let's be real. You're doing the Floyd Mayweather thing. You're picking and choosing your fights at the twilight of your career. You've earned that. That's cool. We're going to fuck, keep it moving. Jess, let's uh, lightly scratch on last week's UFC card because you watched it. I watched pieces of it because I was kicking it with my mom. Shout out to all moms. Happy Mother's Day. Belated, if you will. Um, I watched the Ian Gary knockout. I was so surprised that Rodriguez got knocked out because I don't think I've ever seen him get knocked out that I was more surprised that he got knocked out. And then after the fact, I was like, oh, Ian Gary knocked him out? Um, <laughs> but uh, but all the other fights were just kind of background in me. And again, it, yeah. it was just because I, uh, I was, oh, the, oh yeah, we want to talk Anthony Smith as well. I was just, I was watching him, but again, I was entertaining mom. I was telling stories, you know, what is it? give me some thoughts on these fights. Uh, Ian Gary uh, pulling off the uh, the knockout of Daniel Rodriguez is probably the biggest. Is first of all, it's the biggest win of his career because mm-hmm. he didn't just. We've gotten used to Gary kind of like just pummeling guys, not finishing guys, even taking some late and being threatened later in rounds. Uh, we finally see him get a finish and over a very quality. Like Daniel Rodriguez is no slouch; he is quality opponent. And so finishing Rodriguez, which I do, I don't know because I'm not looking at his profile or nothing. I'm not sure if Rodriguez has ever been finished. So that's a huge accomplishment on part of the uh, the Irishman Ian Gary. So him him coming up is is still happening. That that the welterweight division needs to be on notice. Be looking because you know Usman and all those guys are not there anymore. You know what I mean? We have we have Leon Edwards now. Ian Gary needs to be put on notice, and the the rest of that that division needs to to, to take notice because Ian Gary is no slouch. He's coming up quick. Uh, I was looking over some of the the fights. Uh, Matt Brown, forty oh, year old Matt Brown, gets another huge knockout win. This one over another aging vet. But it doesn't matter. A knockout's a knockout. That's going on on uh, Matt Brown's record, and that's awesome. Uh, one thing that I do miss about Twitter, Matt Brown follows me, and he'll actually like comment back and forth with me on fights. He's a very okay. fan friendly guy. Uh, but so shout out to Matt Brown for just still bringing heat, man. I'm telling you, that guy's been around for just ages, and he's still just putting people. That was on an interesting asses. fight. That was just that was just two old hosses fucking banging it out. That was good. Oh, that old school style, like stand by your mouthpiece and let's just throw like in man, Matt Brown's got hands still. It's great. Uh, nothing else on this card really shook me except for the Anthony Smith, Johnny Walker fight. Uh, we'll get to the, the other odd piece of that here in a minute. Jay, I'll let you start that off. And my thoughts on the fight itself was this is very slow. Johnny Walker looked good. Anthony Smith looked off. And uh, I think that he, pressure from uh as you and i were talking uh prior to the show uh i i said that i don't think he's had a quality win in some times i think that he was really really wanting to get this win it was a huge thing for him and to come up on the other end of that uh i mean that's you know that's nothing to to shake at and anthony smith's always been a very emotional guy he gets in his head very easily and again jay i'm gonna let you get to that part here in a minute uh johnny walker is just really lengthy he kept uh he Anthony Smith at bay using yeah, those leg, long arms, leg long kicks. legs. And leg kicks. Leg, leg kicks, kicks were won huge. The, he won this fight with leg kicks. Yeah, and so uh, I know that Anthony Smith wanted to be more aggressive, but it's tough to be aggressive when uh, the counter has such long legs 
And Johnny Walker got into superbly good shape for this fight, by the way. Uh, I think better than better shape than I've seen him in his past couple couple fights. So shout out to Johnny Walker. People keep up the rankings. I say fuck that. Johnny Walker's a bum. I, Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker's a bum. You can't. Don't move. To move him, there ain't no reason to move Anthony Smith. There ain't no reason to to start talking like you know top ten fights for Johnny Walker. I, Johnny Walker needs an opponent that is right outside of his comfort zone, and if he can win that fight, then we need to start talking about possibly moving him up the rankings. As far as I'm concerned, Johnny Walker's nowhere close to a title fight. Not even close. Not even the same atmosphere of a title fight. So let's stop talking about Johnny Walker and his rise back to the top. He ain't gone. Beating Anthony Smith, especially in the frame of mind that we both believe Anthony Smith was in, that's not much of an accomplishment to me. I'm sorry. Shout out Mikhail Young, who just tweeted, they beating Connor when I asked, does does a Naganu Jake Paul co-main event neck and neck do better or do worse than a Connor versus Chandler pay-per-view? So you've already got one vote on your side, Jess. Boom. There it is. Shout out our boy Mikhail. Um, I I have a few thoughts and now they're getting away from me because I I wasn't ready for that tweet and I'm upset that people aren't on my side with this because I felt felt brilliant. I felt felt like such an intellect. You wanted to be validated and now you're not. I just felt like such a big brain when I gave that take. Um, Okay, so one, uh, remember when we thought Dominic Reyes and Anthony Smith were going to be the future of the 205 division based off of the fights they had with John Jones. That didn't end Definitely. Well. Um, dude, so Johnny Walker just looks really, really good in spots, in fights. And I felt like this was the first fight where I was like, okay, he looked really good for 15 minutes. He was, now could he do it for 25? That's another question. He dominated with leg kicks. I mean, he just really chopped the tree with just left leg kick, right leg kick, high knee, low knee. It was perfect. It set up his, it set up his punches. It set up his flying knees. It, it, I just, I thought he won two, maybe all three rounds. I don't know if I, I think I was trying to give Smith rounds and I just couldn't. I thought Smith just randomly starting to have a conversation with Walker during the fight was interesting. Then I had, then afterwards I read that he was saying something to the effect of you, how dare you break into my house and hurt my family? Or he had, he had taken himself to some spot in his mind where mentally, I think he was trying to revisit that burglar breaking into his home a few years back. And he was picturing Johnny Walker as the burglar. And for some reason that, triggers the memory of oh jesus what's the adam sandler movie with henry winkler where he's the coach and oh, water boy and <laughs> water boy <laughs> and henry winkler gets triggered by certain things so oh jeez it's just it just it just for some reason registered that memory in my mind which is kind of terrible but credit to johnny walker jesse you're crushing him i'm of the belief of when these younger fighters get thrown in the fucking flames, they're either going to come out looking uh, looking like, uh, you know, fucking 
a crisp, pristine white t-shirt, or they're going to come out with some wins and some losses. And they're probably not always going to trade wins and losses on the record. There's going to be times they win one and then lose two. And there's going to be times where, like I said earlier, they look great in spots and then they get knocked out a spot later. So I, I think this was progression from Johnny Walker, and I'm interested in seeing what they do with him. Should they move him up the ranks? I don't know. I think they should keep him right where he's at and keep him yes. finding this level of competition. Maybe guys that are right around the top 10, maybe not top five, but 205 is at a weird stalemate as well right now, just like just That's like heavyweight. They, they got to create stars. We got to create some stars here. So, I, I actually enjoyed this fight a little bit more than Jess. I cannot speak on the Rose's truck fight. It's so funny because my boy that was here watching the fight with me was like, this guy that's going to fight Rose's truck is going to be a star. This guy is going to be the next big thing at heavyweight. And I just, I did not watch a fight. I think I want to take a fucking nap. Just, just a quick glimpse into this fight, at least on the Almeida's side. First of all, when you're Brazilian with the last name Almeida, you automatically think yes. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? Like, of course. Man is no this man is no fucking joke. He's got a little bit of big nog in him. Like if man fight, he's got some of that boxing skill. He's got some knockouts on his record, first of all. Like he can use his hands. And then on the opposite end, if he gets you on the ground, you're basically fucked. Like he's a big ass dude who is so slick with his Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like he's not he's not Verdum slick. And obviously, like, I honestly, I think in their prime, Almeida beats for Doom. And so, like, if it was prime versus prime, I'm just, I'm just throwing that. Big Nog, he, he has some big Nog in him. Like, I'm telling you, his boxing, he sets up a lot of his takedowns with his boxing skills. I have to see and, this fight. Oh, my God. Like, this guy could good? be a menace. He could be a legit menace in the heavyweight division. Right. Like, John I Jones to, literally. I have to go back and watch this fight. I John really Jones, do. don't. He don't want this man to come up too quick because I'm telling you, it would be a bad matchup for, for John Jones. Maybe not like as far as like boxing and striking concern, but John Jones loves the takedown and it's tough to take down a guy who's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu like, and not expect him to be throwing up some crazy shit because Almeida would throw up some crazy submission attempts for sure. All right, Jess, let's move on to this weekend's card. I want to start with the UFC. We're going to scratch the surface, if you will. I was very underwhelmed looking at this card on paper. I know it's a big uh, ladies' night, if you will, and shout out the ladies. They usually put on bangers, but there wasn't really a lot of fights that jumped out to me. Not a big Shabazian guy. I feel like he's a guy that, uh, you know, much like Johnny Walker, will win a fight impressively and then look bad for two fights. I don't know if his stand-up's ever going to be at the highest level that it needs to be when you fight in the UFC, so I'm not greatly looking forward to that fight. I am looking forward to the Angela Hill fight. I do think she will win via decision, and my girl Loopy is back. Quick turnaround. Quick turnaround for Loopy. I once again... I'm going to say, if you are a woman named Loopy, you're more than likely a little crazy, a little crazier than most. And so I, uh, I listen, you got to be a little crazy to take these quick fight turnarounds. So it does not surprise me that Loopy took the quick turnaround fight. Any thoughts on this card, Jess? Uh, the card is, it, 
from a mid, to be honest. Uh, there's some up and coming guys. There's this card reminds me of a card where if you lose, they're gonna be checking your roster spot in a week. Like mm. this is kind of like one of them like roster. Are there check some cards. loser leaves town fights? Is what you're yeah, there's def there definitely feels like there's some loser leave town fights. Uh, I'll, I'm I'm probably way hella wrong about it, but Carolina Kowalkowicz. Oh yeah, everybody loves this. Right, everybody loves her, and obviously she's got the body and the look and all that stuff. And yes, her skill set is there too, but she's just never been able to fully put it together. Well, they got her going against Vanessa Dimomopoulos, and mm -hmm. both these ladies, Dimomopoulos is a she's a scrapper, and I could definitely see her winning this fight. A matter of fact, I would actually predict that she wins this fight. And this is not a fight that Carolina wants to lose because this could definitely be one of those. Damn, you've lost like your last four fights in a row, like. This this roster spot can be taken by some somebody else, and there's just a few others. I mean, you know, like even I don't know, man. Even uh, Angela Angela Hill Mackenzie Dern. I'm not. That's going to be a, a big fight, and I'm looking forward to it. Angela Hill puts on some bangers. Uh, Mackenzie Dern. Uh, she's looked better, like a lot better in her last yeah, two or three on, fights. On paper, that could be a lot of fun. I think it'll be. I don't think it'll be as fun as we hope it will be, but I think that it'll be uh, interesting. Um, Shabbat. It's interesting. Again, not really. Don't really care about that. Really, yeah. honestly, my only my favorite fighter on this entire card is Loopy Godinez. I'm, go. I'm, I'm a huge I'm a huge Loopy fan right now. I'm rooting hard for this lady. Go get him, Loopy. I'm telling you, catch weight fight, fast, quick turnaround. She's making that money. She's she's gonna go put somebody on the floor. I love this. So go, Loopy. I'm excited. I'm as excited for Loopy now as I was for uh, what was it? Uh, Cynthia G Pro Gonzalez three years ago. I'm just, I'm just oh, yeah, fired, yeah, up. Yeah. fired up for a new Latina, a fiery Latina to take over Get the em. division. Let's go, mi gente. Come on now. <laughs> All right, Jess. You know, it's interesting. I'm going to segue off of one of your comments. You know, that it, it may not be as exciting as we want it to be. Because when I look at Haney versus Lomachenko, that's that is where I am landing on this fight. I think really? on paper, yeah, I think on paper it gets me a little bit excited. But as we get closer to the fight, I think uh, Loma's lost a little bit off of his fastball. He's a, he, I mean, his footwork is still there, but he's a little bit of a defensive fighter, and I think Haney's a little bit of a defensive counterboxer as well. And sometimes when you get two counterboxers in a fight, it doesn't always go well. Doesn't always, it's not exciting. It's not going to be that Tank Davis banger fucking guys are chunking them type fight. So I want to say this. Uh, first of all, shame on ESPN for trying to charge us $60 for this fight. They were doing such a great <laughs> job of putting quality <laughs> boxing fights on. Plus, which we have to pay for already as is. Plus, it's not fucking free. It's part of that $20 that, that Mickey Mouse comes up in my motherfucking bank account and takes every month. So uh, it would have been nice for it to be a plus fight. But uh, listen, we will find that fucking, that magical, what do we call it? They don't. We can't call them streams anymore, right? What do we call them? We call them something else. There's another term they use these days. V, uh, VINs or v, VPNs. You'll find that magic VPN. 
<laughs> and uh, you know, and, and watch the fight via VPN. But I, I on paper to me again, it, at first I was excited, but now I think as we get closer, draw closer to the fight, I, I just think it's, I think it's gonna go twelve rounds. I think Haney does win, but I don't, I don't think it's gonna be like a seven five type fight. I think it's gonna be a nine three or eight four type scorecard for Haney. Uh, give me some thoughts on this fight, Jess. Uh, I don't know much about this. I don't know much about Devin Haney. Uh, um, I know I know a ton about uh, Lobachenko. I love his fight style. Always have. Um, even though he's a bulldog in the in the phone booth, he's got great defenses. Hard to hit crazy this guy. footwork. Crazy footwork. Footwork is good. He's an all around. Just he's just an all around stud when it comes to the boxing game. He has lost a step or two, possibly in speed and and so on and so forth. Maybe Devin Haney is like the up and coming guy to take him down another slam. notch, you know. And but uh, what it sounds like to me is uh, if you, you know, we all know that uh, Loma is a counter guy. That's where most of his big knock come from. When you have two counter guys, the fight can definitely be really slow. I mean, we've seen that with like in MMA all the time, right? You know, I, you know, just uh, you get. Uh, Chuck Liddell versus, you know, I can't really think of somebody else right now off the bat, but, you know, if you got Chuck Liddell versus Chuck Liddell, it's going to be a slow fight. Not not, not a lot of opportunity for knockouts because both guys are counter guys. Haney is sporting the unbeaten record, I see, so he's going to go in there with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, and uh, Loma is going to go in there with his normal chip because I think that he just always kind of feels like he's the underdog every single fight. And that's kind of how he goes in there. He's just got that attitude, like, okay, I'm a little bit of the underdog. No one's giving me the proper respect. And we go in here and take that respect. Loma, Loma, Loma might go full. I'm doing this for Ukraine. I've got the, you know, the 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 wishes of every Ukrainian bunkered down right now in a war. He might he might do that thing. And I don't know if Haney is ready for that. We'll see. Well, it sounds like it's uh, the young bull versus the the old bull. So. You know, if if Haney ends up winning this fight, um, you obviously are more of the boxing connoisseur than I am. So if Haney wins this fight, what possible next step for that guy? It's a difficult. So we're kind of back to one of those roundabouts. But I still think this could be a, a, a very fun and competitive fight. And we'll see if Lama can pull it off. What is next? I think that, that kind of covers uh, combat sports. Yes. Are we ready to move on to the NBA? Yes, I, I want to start here with the NBA, Jess, because, of course, we'll talk about the Warriors and the Sixers' demise, but they, they kind of entangle with the coach firings. You know, when when Coach Bud got fired a week ago and before the Suns' exit, I saw a tweet somewhere said something to the effect of the Milwaukee Bucks would be interested in Monty Williams if he were to become available. And I thought, well, one, that's a perfect fit for him. And if Milwaukee calls and they offer me $1 more than Phoenix, I'm getting on the fucking first thing smoking the hell out of Phoenix because <laughs> there's just going to be a lot of headaches there going into the offseason with a new owner. And this new owner seems a little bit uh, proactive, if you will. Like he's up he's in a the little and shit. He's, he's yeah, he's up in the meetings and shit. He's got a little bit of Jerry Jones on him, so I don't I, I don't know how that translates with hoops. So I I, I don't know. I, if I'm Monty Williams, I'm like, you know what? If I can have Giannis in his prime for the next four years and get paid well, and they're gonna let me 
bring in who I can. And I'm a player's coach, so I'll be able to bring guys in just, you know, me and Giannis on a FaceTime with these fucking guys. Um, I think that works. And then he gets shit-canned. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, Phoenix has some of their own ideas. And going back to what I said about this owner, I think this happens with new ownership, right? I think this happens with a new regime. They come in and they want a clean house. And that happens a lot. It starts with the front office. They want to bring in their own GMs. They want to bring in their own coaching staff. They want to bring in their own personal trainers. They want to, they want to talk to the players and get their superstar players like KDM books feedback. What do you guys think we should do? Should we do this? Should we do that? Should we fucking trade eight? And the answer is yes. I think there's a, a few different things going on here that are in play. So Monty gets fired and I'm like, all right, well, he's going to have pole position. He's going to be able to pick any job he wants. And then I think it's like a Nick nurse. And then it's like a Bud a Vogel or someone like that. Well, then today doc rivers gets shit canned. And I don't know why this one surprised me. I would say as much if equally, or maybe a little bit more than the money one did, because I don't know why, but for some reason I thought doc had at least another year before they gave him the boot. And I think part of the reason that I was, I was drinking that Kool-Aid was because he just coached the MVP of the league. He literally just helped Embiid win the MVP trophy. Like, I think that's, that's got to hold a little bit of gravity here when you're wondering, hmm, do we keep this guy or do we get rid of him? Now, who knows what's going on behind closed doors? Who knows what Embiid is saying to ownership? Who knows what Harden is saying to ownership? Who knows what ownership is saying to fucking each other? But it 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 clearly didn't work. Or, or for whatever reason, they didn't believe it would work. So now you've got two, in my opinion, very talented coaches on the market. And there's probably going to be... Reminds me of the NFL Black Sunday where you've got that unique shuffle. Like you mentioned it at the top of the show where there'll be eight positions and, you know, eight coach. this coach goes from, you know, a Florida team to a Texas team or this coach goes you know, vice versa. This to me seems a little bit more unique because like you mentioned, Jess, there are names now that we're not used to hearing. Yeah, and we could start, and it starts in. I guess start with JJ Redick. I mean, why the fuck you? Why the fuck would JJ Redick want to deal with coaching an NBA team when he can sit on television and make really good money, spitting out bad fucking takes? Like, why, <laughs> why, why would you want to? Why would you want to go back to the NBA life? And trust me, as as you're going to have seven or eight or nine guys on that team that respect you because you played in the league, and then you're going to have your fucking super-duper stars like a Kevin Durant that go, yeah, dude, fuck you. You're still you're still J.J. Redick, and I'm still Kevin Durant. So kiss my fucking ass. I, I, just, I don't know. And then, Jess, you mentioned it. There are some unique names, and this happens every year. Right, where you're going to get an assistant name that we've never heard of. This is how Joe Missoula got the job in, in fucking uh, in Boston. 
you're going to hear Sam Cassell's name. His name, I feel like, comes up every four or five years. You're going to hear uh, Mark Jackson. Mom and there goes that man. You're going to hear his name every four or five years. Uh, to do it like this, but who who's the uh, I can't I can't remember her name, but she uh, was like a sideline coach for the Spurs. Used to play in WNBA. Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond. That name she's come up already. But I think Becky Hammond has. I think I think that she's she um she she's very happy where she's at. She's like the highest paid coach in the WNBA. Now I'm sure the highest paid WNBA coach is probably making the same amount of money as like the 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 second guy on the Houston Rockets coach assistant coach but i you know i don't know so again there's so many unique names jess but i think when when the chips fall where they may we're gonna get a lot of retreads you know doc will end up somewhere but will end up somewhere nick nurse will end up somewhere um i you know vogel will probably end up somewhere these guys will shuffle somewhere and these gms are gonna these gms are gonna speak with their their players and when they say how do you feel about this guy? They're going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable with that guy or that coach is cool. Or yeah, I could work with him. And then that's when you get the transfers. Yeah. It's just uh, in the end, I'm, I'm so used because I'm a huge NFL guy. I'm not used to seeing good coaches get fired. Like good mm-hmm. coaches stay on the, in the franchise for, you know, eight, 10, 10 12 10, years. 10 years. I mean, they're given, they're given every, ample bit of opportunity to try to get that squad to a Super Bowl and try to win a Super Bowl. Whereas in the NBA, Monty Williams was damn coach of the year two times in the last three years. He just had his team in the the NBA finals. And I get it now from a Phoenix Suns point of view, from a Phoenix Suns point of view, I can see why the new, uh, what's his name? Ashiba, I believe, or something like that. Matt Ashiba, the, the owner, the new owner of the Suns, right? I can see where he's coming from. He's sat back at some point in time being a sports guy himself, and he's, he's seen a, the Phoenix he's Suns with this loaded roster. He's a former walk-on. So he, so he played ball. He's played. sat back, and he's watched this Phoenix Suns team with a loaded-ass loaded roster for like the last three to four years continuously fail in the playoffs. And then when they get to the finals – and I'm sorry to say this now that it's already been over and the, the Golden State Warriors uh, or, you know, the Golden State Warriors won that, I believe, that year. Or no, uh, what was the year that they, uh, the, the Suns lost? They lost to lost Milwaukee. to Milwaukee. That's what I just so, said. The, same, again, the two coaches that played in the finals two yeah. years ago. So last, here we are. They go, to the, they go to the finals. I felt that they probably didn't have as good of a roster as Milwaukee, but they definitely should have fought a little bit more in that series. And so – the success of an NBA coach means nothing, especially when a new owner comes in because it does happen in the NFL. A new owner will come in and then they'll kind of clean house. They'll get their own coach. They'll get their own GM. And then they'll eventually want their own players and staffing and so on and so forth. And that's what Matt Ashiba's doing in Phoenix. And he does kind of run like a little bit more of a Mark Cuban-esque style of, of owner. You know, like he's a little bit more involved, like you said. He's kind of – you don't expect the owner to be in on team meetings and all of a sudden he's in the back room, you know what I mean, like just listening to what everybody's saying. Uh, he wants to win a championship. He wants that to be his legacy in Phoenix. And so he's going to do whatever it takes. So even two-time coach of the year – in the NBA, Monty Williams is not safe. If you can't get that team to a finals, especially a team with CP3, Book, Aiden, and KD late in the season, you can't get them to the finals at least. I think that if he got to the finals, his job saved. But losing when they did, 
that was that was uh that was the cut point as far as uh as far as doc rivers i agree with you that's the far more like mind bending like release doc did so much with that sixers team before they even were healthy james harden was like 40 pounds overweight for half the season like i mean he did so much with this squad and and he kind of took a lot of lumps along the way. There's a lot of like you know the bullet points that. like here and there. There's a lot of like inner you know inner team turmoil kind of stuff going on. He got them through it. He he coached what would what would be the uh, MVP of the NBA of the regular season, Joel Embiid, and then to just be let go. And not even it's not like their series was disappointing. And to be honest, I didn't even expect them to win that series in the first place. How do you get fired when you're not even expected to win the series? Yeah. That that release to me is just, it just absolutely blows my mind. I again I, I think Doc knows, hey, I'll be all right, I'll land on my feet, I'll, I'll grab a great job somewhere and, and I'll probably end up with a roster that'll compete and be with a winning organization. But I I I myself much like you, I'm perplexed over it. And I think the Phoenix thing is gonna be something to watch. I guess this is kind of a seamlessly transitioning over to the losing teams now out of the NBA finals or out of the NBA conferences here. But when I look at Phoenix and what they what they need to do next, I'm so torn because I feel like they are going to make the same mistake that they made this year which is they're going to rattle their roster up by trading Aiton. They're going to bring in some guys that they're hoping are going to be able to defer. And we're going to run into that same issue that we had at the end of this year, which is if they can't have guys that are okay being the third and fourth option, it's not going to work. You know, seeing Aiton... And Katie basically have to score 75, 80 points between the two of them for them to be competitive in this series was so telling to me and so telling about that roster. And if I am negotiating with the Phoenix Suns for DeAndre Ayton, I'm doing 50 cents on the dollar. I'm doing 70 cents on the dollar. You got damaged goods, and it kind of reminds me of the Warriors with Wiseman. Where you go, we don't know if this guy is going to be good. We, we've seen flashes, but we've also seen this guy have a shitty attitude. And this guy's gained a little bit of a reputation for being a sore thumb when shit doesn't go his way. He sticks out. So what, I'm, not gonna, I'm not giving you straight up value. I'm, I'm giving you 70 cents on the dollar. I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to negotiate and get what they would consider equal value so i think it's going to get very interesting in phoenix and again even if they do get something that they consider equal value are they going to be able to play with katie and booker and at the end of the day are they going to be able to do the thing where they go hey we're good exhausting way more energy on defense because book and katie are going to be the guys here at the end of the game it's difficult to find guys that are young that are willing to do that you've got to find the fucking pj tuckers they want to do that you got to find those the vets and i just i just don't know if it works for phoenix any thoughts on phoenix on the way out here jess i i actually i agree a lot with you uh i think that you know going into this offseason 
uh, Ashiba being the, the man now, and he's seen what happened at the end of this season. There's going to be trades. Uh, I think CB3 won't be on the team next year. I think Andre no, Aiden won't be on the team next year. Uh, I think both those guys will be traded off before the season. We'll be playing somewhere else. A matter of fact, CP3 has already been tied to the Lakers. You know, guess that one. You know, the, the CP, everybody, uh, everybody, everybody's tied to the Lakers. CP, yes, that and CP3 is set to make double what he made last yeah. year. It's it's and, impossible. And, you've got you've got. I mean, it sounds it sounds it sounds crazy, but you got to trade him back to a team that has a shitload of cap, like Orlando or someone like that. You got to trade him to someone that that could just absorb that cap space because he is just gonna he is fucking way too much money for Phoenix's cap. They got to dump him. The the Andre Ayton thing is is difficult for me because I still see an upside to his game, but I don't see it. Uh, what happened to Aiden in the playoffs with KD and Booker both being healthy? Like the guy just don't touch the ball. Like KD and Booker just want the ball, and they take the ball and they run the ball and they shoot the ball, and then they just want everybody else to rebound and play defense. And that's fine. I mean, if that's the, the way that you want to run your offensive, you know, team, that's fine. But Aiden doesn't fit in that group anymore. And so, I mean, I could, I, and it could just be my eyes playing tricks on me. But I, I felt like what I saw from Andre Aiden was kind of just like the low man on the totem pole. He felt like he was the last guy on the court. And you could just kind of see it in his demeanor. And he's still a young guy. And he kind of wears his emotions on his sleeve a little bit, you know. So uh, I don't think, like I said, again, I don't expect Phoenix to look anywhere close to what they look like right now. There's going to be a ton of stuff to happening. The draft's not going to matter at all. Uh, what's going to matter is free agency and and uh, how they make these trades and, and how they can make the trades happen. Because like you said, with CP3's contract being so large, you're going to have to send them to a kind of a, you know, a shittier squad or, or a squad at least that has a lot of caps so they can absorb some of it. Can, uh, I, the, can, what, I, give you my, can I give you a trade I absolutely yeah, love? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Miles Turner for DeAndre Aiden straight up. I don't care how it gets done. See, I just don't think that helps Phoenix. Really? Miles Turner is really good. He he's good, but he also outside. likes to get the I guess he doesn't he doesn't need the ball though. No, he's a, he plays the center. You're taking DeAndre out, you're you're keeping your length, you're keeping your athleticism, you're keeping your offensive rebounding guy, you're keeping a guy that can jump out of the fucking gym and you're and you've still got a guy that's really young. And you're hoping can go Hey, are you good not being the guy every single night? Are you good being second tier or third tier some nights? If so, we'd love to fucking have you. If not, then it ain't, you know, we'll find somebody fucking else. But not only that, you get Aiden over to Indiana, and now he can be the number one or the two guy. And if he wants to average 18 and 10 or 20 and 12 on a team that wins 25 games every single year, Go for it. You're the guy. I mean, Indiana would be a good, solid place for him. I mean, he's kind of a low key guy, anyway. And then you're playing with uh, yeah. what was the what was the rookie kid's name from last year? Matherin or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 and then and they got Burton. Yeah, they Indiana's got they got players. So you add yeah. a guy like Aiden and just kind of it raises the level of that team a little bit as well. Uh, Phoenix again, Phoenix. I don't know. I honestly don't know what you do. I just know that you have to somehow get rid of Aiden and you have to definitely somehow get rid of CP3. And it sucks because CB3 has actually had a really good career in, in, in his time with Phoenix. It's been good outside of like injuries, but you know, that just comes with the territory. 
sending him somewhere to a playoff team, that's going to be tough because playoff teams are going to have stacked cap. Yep. So it's it's going to be difficult to unload him. And I highly doubt that, you know, CP3 of all people are going to be like, oh, hey, new owner guy, let's go ahead and restructure my contract and make it work a little bit no, better for the team. That's, that's not happening. So no super, chance. it's going to be difficult for them. If CP3 is restructuring anywhere, it would be with the Lakers, and they don't have any fucking cap. They ain't got no cap. They ain't got players. Hey, speaking of teams that we uh, have no idea what they're going to do next, uh, quick thoughts on the New York Knicks on the way out? Uh, I like the Knicks. I like what they've done. I like their coaching staff. And uh, James Brunson, or Jalen Brunson, uh, I mean, you said this like, uh, I want to say like a month or two ago, like we brought NBA up like, you know, a while back. You said Brunson is is on that next level of like, you know, I'm about to be a superstar. And I'm telling you, that guy, he's he's got it written all over his face. Just him in New York, just like they're a great mix, man. Like he loves yeah. the Big Apple and the Big Apple loves him. They definitely need some new pieces. I think uh, Randall needs to go. I think yeah. that some of those point guards need to go. They need to get in some uh, maybe some veteran faces to kind of like – you know, supersede some of the youth on that team a little bit. And then uh, I think that they'll be ready for another uh, playoff run next year. Can I give you a trade right now, Jess? And yeah, I, let's hear I, it. I stole this trade. I can't remember who, so I can't give him credit. Randall for Jordan Poole. Holy shit. That's, that actually makes a ton of sense. <laughs> I mean, I, I know the Knicks got a lot of guards. They got a lot of guards, though. But, I mean, they could use – it seemed like they could use scoring in those playoff games. Not that Jordan Poole is scoring during the fucking playoff games for the Warriors this year, but, <laughs> I mean, maybe he matures. Maybe he figures it out. The Knicks are fucking at their wits' end with Randall. They, the fucking entire Madison Square Garden was ready to trade him for anything at the end of that series. <laughs> and Stephen A. Smith was calling for his fucking head on a platter at the end of that series. I mean, you listen. the The Warriors need a little bit of length. They need a, they, they need, need a guy. Big, that can, they need some girth. They in the need a too. they need a big guy that can fucking score and can take a little bit of and can take a little bit of pressure off of fucking Curry when Curry goes inside and creates because there's four guys running to to defend him. Him passing a Moody ain't always going to work because Moody's got two left feet. Um, Jess, I'm not sure what the Knicks do, but you have to trade Randall. And I I know they are like wits end with Barrett, but man, I still see something with Barrett. I'm not ready to give up on him. There were moments in that series where it seemed like he was the only guy, like he was attempting to whip it out. Where He's like, I ain't got much, but I'm going to try and whip it out. Like, and that means something to me. That fucking means something to me when the rest of your team, their buttholes are quenching and can't nobody make a shot. And the fucking, the heat are going on, like whatever, 13, three runs. And there's five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like you, you got to whip it out. Fucking, and there were times, and Brunson was just, was hurt or, or missing or both. <laughs> yeah. Or exhausted. Which is you're very much correct. My man is exhausted. I'm a, I like Barrett. Try don't trade fucking Barrett. Now I would not be surprised if they do trade Barrett because Barrett's gone. If they, <laughs> if they trade, yeah, you're they right. You're right. And you know why? And you know why? Because you're probably have to package him with Randall if you're going to get value. Probably. Now, I actually I heard the package deal 
uh, Barrett and Randall and maybe some odd in, odds and in draft picks for Damian Lillard and some odds and in draft picks. Oh, God. Hey, if the Blazers get Victor Wamba Yamba Yama Mama Jama, um, if I'm Dame, I don't leave. You no. got, you get, you get, and I don't know, I don't think they're going to get him. I think that the Spurs are going to get the first, uh, win the lottery tonight. That's tonight, by the way, for our listeners. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, we don't know who has won the lottery yet, but my prediction is the San Antonio Spurs. Um, but imagine if Portland somehow lands that first pick. Whoo! Not saying Adam Silver would do some dirty, shady shit like that. Just saying, man. <laughs> okay. Um, and also, yeah, if you're going to put, you got to package Randall. Okay. So tell me what you think of this, Jess. Randall and Barrett for Poole and Wiggins. You know, I, again, I, I like that trade. Barrett, you like Barrett it for and Wiggins New York, you don't cross like each it. other off. Do you like it for New York or do you like it for, for Golden State or no. you like it for both? Uh, I like it. I like it more for Golden State, to be honest. Oh. Only because now you're packaging multiple guards to. Well, to Wiggins New York. is a Wiggins now, is a is now a now, now New York starting lineup is like four shooting guards and then like whatever Whoever that center they decided that that big ass dude that, that they... or that Frankenstein <laughs> guy. They have that Frankenstein guy. <laughs> oh, so that fucking... uh, Har- Harvenstein, the big white yeah. guy. Yeah. So you yeah. just play you just play four guards with Wiggins yeah. at the four and Frankenstein at the five. I love that. All right. Who who am I missing here? Um we did New York. Oh, this we I, we did the Sixers, right? We did the Sixers. Yeah, we I did mean, the Sixers. Harden's gone. Harden's yeah. fucking gone, Jess. They've got to blow yeah. it up. They've got to try and they've got to try and lure another superstar to play with Embiid. Here, here's I'm the, not the trouble. The, say the, Dame. Tr- the trouble thing that I the thing I hate the most is that I believe that Embiid and Harden actually make a good duo, and I believe I that Embiid loves having Harden around. I and agree. So blowing this up, I don't know how Embiid reacts to that. If you bring in somebody, I don't know how he reacts to that. It's going to be a crazy offseason for Philly. Dude, dude, Harden's no shows were just as hard as Clay. They were bad. No-shows. They were fucking no shows. It was atrocious. Where you're just like, damn, that dude's three for 13 tonight with four turnovers, and he just can't, like, he, but just the shots are, like, they're hitting the rim bad. Like, it's just like, you, you, he's jacking them up, and you're like, that's not going in, dude. It's bad. Okay. Um, So, quickly, uh, so we're done with the Sixers. Uh, Warriors? Should we talk about the Warriors for a moment? I mean, I got We should. I bet you you can wax poetically about this team for a little bit. I don't know. I'm depressed. I don't know. I think that the wind. I think the window is shutting a lot quicker than Warriors fans want to acknowledge. I think we've probably got two years left if we're lucky, and that's hoping. That's hoping one of these young guys that sticks around figures it out. Whether it's Poole, whether it's Wiggins, whether well, it's Will Kurtz please play Kaminga? I think I, Kerr's lack of confidence in Kuminga is so fucking telling to me because the amount of minutes that he got last year during the playoffs and during the finals, as opposed to during the Lakers, which was zero, and during Sacramento, which was pretty much zero, 
was mind-blowing to me. And if you would have told me two seasons ago, hey, you got Wiseman, you got Moody, you got Kuminga, you got Poole, who do you think is playing their best basketball in the playoffs in two years? My answer would not be Moses Moody. That's a fucking problem. That's a big problem. Um, they struggled against AD. They struggled against the length, the Lakers' length, if you will. Um, Clay Thompson got outplayed by Austin Reeves. I never thought I'd say that ever. I never thought those words would lose <laughs> my lips. Uh, they had the two games that were really telling. You know, they lost the game where Poole shoots that three late. And they and they lost the game where Steph had open looks and one rattles in and out and the other one, you know, they didn't need a three when Draymond grabs that rebound, but he just for whatever reason is always just programmed to pass that offensive rebound back out. So Steph jacks up a you know, a difficult three. Um I, I, you know, my honest answer, Jess, is I don't know what they do with this roster. And that worries me as a Warriors fan because I think they need to get younger. I think they need to keep Draymond. I think they clearly need to keep Steph. He ain't going nowhere. Clay to me is the real tricky one because I think a lot of, you know, loyal Warriors fans are going to have a very difficult time, a different, you know, bitter pill to swallow saying clay is washed clay is done i think that's it for clay and i think if you look at statistically you go well he didn't have a terrible year and when you look at the first round of the playoffs you go yeah he had bad games but he also had great defensive games and then you look at this series and i mean he had one good game and then he just absolutely sucked and it was just bad i mean just just stinky and I think that a lot of Warriors fans and the Warriors themselves have got to take that real good look in the mirror and go, can we do this for another two years with Clay? Can we do it for another year and then pay him what he's going to be asking after next year? I don't know. I, I really worry about the dynasty, if you will, because everybody is quick to throw a fucking... Uh, you know, uh, just a stake right to the heart of the Warriors fans the moment they lose to the Lakers. And it's the Lakers finish the dynasty and the dynasty's over and this is it. And and, and it's almost like, you know, shout out to our boys, uh, you know, Fat Boy, Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports, but I'm listening to no sports takes for 48 hours after the Warriors lose. Like, I'm so <laughs> glad they lost on a Friday night where I don't have to watch first take on the, the following morning. I don't have to listen to nine hours and then just getting dragged like other stuff happens during the weekend where they, they kind of become more of a footnote, but I just, I'm, I'm torn Jess. If you've got ideas, I'd love to hear them. I'm, I'm not sure where they go here. So the, here's, here's my drastic golden state. If you want to stay where you're at, like somewhere in the top three to, you know, in the Western conference next year, even for the next couple of years, uh, I say that you don't move, you don't move clay. I, I believe that clay just had, he just had a bad, you know, postseason. like great players have bad post seasons. We've seen it happen time and time. And, and again, 
And and even even Steph had a couple games where it was real rough to begin with, well, and maybe he's credit he the some... You got to credit. No, the and, and that's that's too. where I would start. If I'm going to start anywhere with the 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 Warriors Lakers series, I said it a couple shows ago. I think I said it last week. The Lakers did a tremendous job towards the end of the season collecting defensive type guys. They went and got a bunch of dudes who can play defense and a couple of them that can shoot, but primarily they brought in defenders because at the beginning of the season, the Lakers were atrociously bad on defense. That's where they were losing all their games because they couldn't defend anybody. And you either had to beat the other team, you know, like just by out outscoring them and just putting up points like mass points. And the Lakers weren't built to do that, you know, and they had no defense to, to stop teams. Well, at the end of the season, they made some trades, picked up some free agent acquisitions, and now they got defenders. And by the grace of God himself, Anthony Davis stayed healthy primarily through this entire series. So when AD's on the court, he is the game changer in L.A. It is not LeBron. It's not AR-15. It's not Lonnie Walker. I it's, hate that I, nickname so much. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use it every single time. Uh <laughs> It is this the Davis. one guy I wanted to fight more than anybody. When AD is the he is the game changer in LA. He is the true MVP of that team. He is the superstar of that team. That team will go as far as AD takes them. Yeah. But I swear he is one blown toenail away from missing three games in the Lakers. We'll get into that. We'll get into that next. But, we'll get into that next. But as far as this series was concerned, it was all about the Lakers playing solid defense and getting rebounds. I mean, th- how many games did Anthony Davis have where he had like a 20 to 25 rebound game? It was insane. The the Warriors are too small, and that's that they were built that way on purpose when they were winning championships. They were faster. Screens were better. Their guys could bounce off of screens. They could jump back out from the post back to the outside faster than everybody else. And then they could spot up for those patented three points that the Golden State Warriors are known to make. Now they're just too small. If you miss, and they're missing more these days. Yeah, no, that you, was the big if, one. If you miss, bigger, stronger teams are going to get those rebounds and turn those rebounds into points. And that's what the Lakers did almost on every possession. You nailed it. So, I mean, live and die by the three, right? We're going to go through all the cliches now. Live or die by the three. The Warriors have done that the last 10 years. And, you know, it's, to me, make or miss league, right? And when Wiggins, Poole, and who I mean, whoever else you want to throw in that clay cannot make a basket, cannot contribute on the offensive end. That's a recipe for disaster. That really is. And at some point, the Lakers went, we're just not going to let Steph beat us. And Steph's going to do magical things because he's Steph, right? He's going to get open for a millisecond. He's going to hit shots. But they made almost every shot difficult. Unlike the Kings, who just had defensive brain farts, uh, when a when AD was, you know, uh, how do you say, making him say, making himself more of an obstacle to get around, Steph struggled, and they were just leaving Wiggins open to shoot threes. There was a moment down three one, and down three two. They were just content with with Wiggins shooting threes on the wing and living or dying with what happened. And it's one thing when you're letting Draymond do that. It's another when you're letting Wiggins and he can't make those. That's enormous. It's a make or miss fucking league. And all of a sudden, the Lakers were just having these 
10, 10 0 runs, 12 0 runs, 13 2 runs. And I can point at free throw discrepancies and all that shit. But it, for me, it's just very black and white. Make or miss league. And when Austin Reeves outplays Clay, and if you want to argue he outplayed Poole, what are you going to do? You're going to lose those series that you're going to lose. You're going to fucking lose. All right, Jess. Um, I feel like we're not going to give a lot of praise to the Lakers here, but I'm interested in seeing where your mind goes here. I want to start in the West because I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time on the East. Um, the uh, Western Conference final starts tonight. Um, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Denver Nuggets, who you got? I, I have the Nuggets overall in this series. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I I think that, it, honestly, I think it goes seven games. Okay. The reason being is that the Lakers match up better with Denver than I believe Golden State does. I Golden State, again, too small, too reliant well, on they, the three-point. They, they match up better than Phoenix as well. And they match up better than Phoenix as well. If, uh, if, uh, if we would have seen any other team, I would have said Nuggets, you know, four games of one, you know, I mean, Nuggets are just, they're a complete team. Yeah. And, and it all starts with their big man who can also do everything. And, and that's the Joker right there in the middle. He can, he can post you up. He can go shoot the three ball. He's got an excellent mid range jumper. He, he's got a little baby hook. He, he, he's thrown in over the last few years. He plays defense. He, he does everything. That's why he's like two time MVP from the past couple of years. And again, I'm telling you probably should have been MVP this year. That just, just my thought, mm-hmm. but not only that, but Jamal Murray's healthy and he's playing like a dog. D A W G baby, yes. Yes. playing like a dog. You see him get in uh, um, Shamit's face uh, over. I think it was like Game Six. Mm-hmm. Like just Shamit just was like trying to do his thing and get inside hit Murray's head, and then he was Murray wasn't having nothing to do with it. And then the, you 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 start to ignite that fire in some players, and they will just go crazy. And Jamal Murray did. And, I mean, I'm just saying the Nuggets are a complete basketball team from top to bottom to coaching staff, and I think that they will get this this series over with. I think it'll take them longer than expected because the only difference is if AD gets hurt, because AD will be able to defend Jokic better than anybody that has uh, Jokic has seen in the, in the postseason. But that also takes uh, AD away from the post – which leaves a lot of screen plays and little like runoff plays for Murray and some of those guys, Jeff Brown uh, or uh, Brian Brown and uh, Jeff Green and some of those guys to make uh, breaks at the basket because AD's not always going to be able to be down by the basket because Joker, I guarantee, is going to start playing up top a lot in this series. Mm-hmm. I still, yeah, I Joker's- still say Denver uh, in seven. Uh, let the record reflect that I picked Memphis to beat L.A. I picked Golden State to beat L.A. And I am now picking Denver to beat L.A. I like Denver in six. <laughs> I think that Joker is going to body A.D. I mean, I think he's he's going to be getting the ball at the top of the key. He's going to be doing the thing that he does. You are a million percent right. Jamal Murray's pick and roll right now with Joker is deadly. And they just, I've been saying this all year. They know where to be at. They know each other's sweet spots. And then you throw in Michael Porter Jr. and KCP, who's going to be playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because LeBron, GM LeBron got rid of his ass. Um, I think Denver is going to be scoring a lot of points. They're going to be throwing up 100 to 120 a night. And I think unless AD is scoring 30 to 40 points a night, 
the Lakers are just going to have a difficult time matching firepower. Hachimura is going to have to have those 18 to 25 point games. AR 15, which I am now going to start saying, (laughs) is going to have to have those 18 to 25 point games. They're going to need those guys to step up and have big games. It can't just be AD and LeBron. LeBron's going to have those passive games where he shoots six or seven threes and only makes two of them and struggles because that's just because LeBron has those games. Denver will take advantage of those. Mike Malone is a fucking great coach. And I just, I just think Denver's style of play, they can match the physicality of LA unlike Golden State. And again, the key, the marquee matchup, if you will, the Haney Loma is going to be AD and Joker. And Joker is just going to take that big 250-plus pound frame <laughs> after vaping all day and playing Pokemon and eating unhealthy. And he's just going to be fucking falling all over AD. He's going to be hitting him with them big fat forearms and elbows and arm shoulders. <laughs> And he's just gonna yeah. fucking he's gonna wear AD out, and those LeBron switches ain't gonna mean much shit, other than LeBron just doing his theatrical flops that he loves to fucking do. Would not be surprised if we see another one of those Laker wins where the free throw discrepancies are like another plus twenty. But I I like Denver. I like Denver in six. Another thing to think about real quick is that. Golden State has no defense, and you and I have talked about yeah, this on the yeah. show before. They have no, no no defense. Lakers absolutely took advantage of that by having some defense. But Denver is actually a very good defensive team. Mm-hmm. And to just throw on top of the fact that they have several people that can score a lot of points. So it's going to be yeah. tough for the Lakers to try to get wins. Aaron, Aaron Gordon is going to get picked on in this series. He gave KD some fits, and I know KD scored 30, 35, 40, whatever, some games, but he did. He made KD earn his shots, and I think Aaron Gordon's going to give LeBron fits. I'm looking forward to that matchup. And when and when Aaron Gordon wants to, he can get to the cup. He can get to the basket. He's still got some athleticism, but his key role out there is going to be give LeBron as many fits as he can, and if he can give us 15 points, fucking fantastic. Michael Porter Jr. is going to have a good series. Yes, he do, 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 there's, there's not one guard on the Lakers team that's going to be able to guard or be guarded by or Jamal Murray's going to be able to guard every Lakers guard but no Lakers guard is going to be able to guard Jamal Murray so that's going to be a MPJ huge matchup probably. is going to have that game where he hits five or six threes he's going to have two of those games where he just he's open on the wing and he's, and he's got quick release like Clay and he's long and the, the Lakers aren't going to be able to defend that they're gonna they're gonna give him a shitload of fits. I like Denver. Oh, I'll, I'll say this: I like Denver all the way up. I like I I like Denver beating anybody in the East as well. Um, speaking of the East, the Celtics have once again risen from their grave, down three two to come back and make it to the Eastern Conference Final. I was ready to fire their coach a week ago. Now he is. Uh, he's fucking. He's surviving. They're playing the really? Heat. And Heat culture has once again survived and made it to another Eastern Conference final, which is just absolutely wild to me. Jess, who you got? Uh, what's it? What is it? Spagnola? Is that his? Yeah. Yeah. Coach, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Spostra. 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 You're yeah. thinking of Ollie Spagnola, the Twitter, the Twitter, the Twitter. So, Coach Spostra. Spostra. 
he had one of the greatest takes I've heard uh, after after their their win, their 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 series clinching win. Uh, one he has a cup next to him. You know, one of the one of the media guys says, "Hey, coach, what's in your cup?" And he says, "I'm not telling you the next question." Like, I'm that. telling you, man, this guy's the coolest. He's 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 as cool as the other side of the pillow, man. And heat culture. I we've talked about it before on the show. Like I absolutely love the heat culture. I, I don't know what it is about this franchise, but like it, they just, they attract a couple of stars and then a bunch of dudes who can just play really hard nosed basketball and coach Spolstra coaches them all up just the same as he did when he had D Wade and LeBron. It, it's, it's never changed. It's like, you know, it, it, it just the way that they do things, the way that they participate, uh, like you know, in off season during the season, po- like they just get things done, man. I love the Heat culture, and I love this Heat team. Jimmy buckets, man. What's not to love? Jimmy buckets is an amazing player, and I think that he has literally stamped his legacy. If he was to retire after this after this postseason, his legacy is it's been stamped. He's going down in history as one of the guttiest grittiest players of all time one of the best postseason players of all time he don't even need a championship i mean like let's just put let's just put this guy somewhere in the hall of fame right now jimmy buckets jimmy buckets just does his thing and the rest of the players just follow suit uh i i don't think that they'll be able to outdo or outplay the celtics he's gonna survive i'll survive yes I don't think that they can out survive the Celtics. And it'll, I think this series goes seven as well. I think the Celtics will take it in seven. It will be hard fought, just nose to the grindstone for both these squads. It is not, not one point's going to be easy. Tatum thinks that he's going to be able to go out there and have a, you know, a game seven where he scores 51. That shit's not happening. Bring it back down to earth a little bit, Jason. You're good, but you're not Kobe. And these guys in Miami, they can defend. They can defend really, really well. And I think that they're going to lock down some games. But overall, I think Boston will find a way to to notch their way back into another finals, just so they can lose to Denver. <laughs> God, it, it's so unique because I this I just said I like Denver versus the field, but man, if Boston can make it, it feels like if there was ever a year for Tatum and Brown to finally get it fucking done. And it's so crazy because when they were down three, two, my hoops basketball chat was like, should, should the Warriors be trading Wiggins and pool for Jalen Brown? Like <clears throat> I was getting those texts. So I, it's so unique, but, but I, but I'm, but I'm not coming off of that. I still like Denver in the field. I agree with everything you say. Heat culture is so unique. Heat culture, Miami is going to, and all it's the combination of, for whatever reason, Boston just gets lackadaisical. Sometimes they play to the level of their opponent, and sometimes their shit's just not dropping and they look disheveled. And Miami just takes full advantage of teams when they do that. They did it against Milwaukee, they did it against fucking Philly. I don't think they'll be able to do it against the Celtics four games. I like the Celtics. Man, I want to say six, but I agree with you, Jess. I think that the Heat culture finds a way. Jimmy Buckets and Bam, they find a way to get it to seven. So I like the Celtics in seven. And I think we've made it, Jess. Yeah. Um, fantastic. You know what? This, this NBA playoffs has 
like I, I'm telling you, like for me, who I'm not the biggest basketball guy, but I will watch. This postseason has been tremendous. Like a yeah. lot of a lot of guys coming out of nowhere, like your Lonnie Walkers when when he scored like what fifteen or twenty in the in the quarter uh, uh, against Golden State not too long ago. I mean, there's just been these unsung heroes. The league's in good hands. The, the league's league, in good hands. It is. You the, mentioned you mentioned Brunson. Uh, you know the the league is in good hands. The league is in great hands. The, these up-and-coming kids, they know how to play ball, and, and most of them know how to play team ball, which makes it even more intriguing. Uh, I feel like we're get, going away from the uh, street ball players, really, and just getting more into, like, Listen, James Harden, ISO ball's dead. Yeah, I believe it is. We're seeing more team ball play, and even from these youngsters, and I just think it makes the league more interesting, and it makes teams harder to beat. And so, I mean, NBA is going to be fine for a long, long time. As far as this series goes, uh, the East and West, I think they both fantastic series. And then the NBA Finals, again, uh, we're just going to see another fantastic NBA Finals as well. Uh, Folks, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out for us. Uh, We will get this show up and running as soon as I can. Uh, hopefully this afternoon, if you're listening and you hear it, it'll hopefully be up. If not, you'll be hearing it another day, but, uh, you know, things happen. Thank you for Thank listening. Thank you for listening regardless, yes. Thank you for listening regardless. Thank you for all long-term listeners. Thank you for the new listeners. Thank you to Variety Sports Network for helping us out and getting uh, our name out there, along with uh, many of their other fantastic podcasts, all sports-based podcasts, which is great and fantastic just to have that sports community feel from the network. Uh, you can follow them uh, at uh, variety underscore sports underscore. Uh, you can follow Jason on Twitter at Valdez spelled backwards five five nine, and just jot this down because one day it'll it'll come back up in your feed. Mm-hmm. But you can follow me at some point in time at jtt eighty one. Uh, and then thank you to everybody out there who's asked about me or mentioned me. I appreciate you all. I love you all. I have so much love for my Twitter family. And that's another reason why I want to come back as well. I, I miss so many of you. And the the daily interactions is always fantastic to, to, to just be around you guys. So one day, one day, the big bad booty daddy will be back. And yes. uh, we'll, we'll get back on track with things. Um, next week, new show, new sports takes, new topics. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. Peace, God.